This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Alright, so on this Wednesday evening, um, again, I just thank God for the opportunity to be able to handle the Word of God. Like I always say, it's an honor and a privilege to continue to this teaching in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Again, things have been said already. It's been outstanding by these ministers. And make sure you are following along because Matthew's given us a theme. You know, he's given us a direction that he's going in. And it is so powerful to see it unfold. And uh, I'm just thankful to God just to be a part of this ministry. Thankful to God to be part of this teaching. You know, and again, what God is showing us in this time is just so powerful. The Word of God is precious, people. You know, family, the Word of God is precious. It really is. And, you know, you don't realize it until you need it. But just realize you need it, you know, it's precious before you need it, right? It's precious. So hold on to the Word of God. But again, I will be teaching out of Matthew uh, chapter 5 as well. And, and my, my passage of Scripture, I'm just giving you a heads up already so you can at least know where I'm going. I'm going to come out of Matthew 5, starting at verse 33. I'm going to go into Matthew 6 to verse 18 if all is well. We'll see if I can get there or not. Um, so again, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and for me, far as a title for this, is Love Thy Neighbor. We'll use this as our title for this set of series that I'm going to be doing, Love Thy Neighbor. Um, as for an opening statement, again, we've been doing a verse-by-verse teaching in Matthew chapter 5. Um, you know, Matthew is showing us that Jesus is the King, and the King is teaching us about the Kingdom of Heaven. I mean, I love that statement, right? The king is teaching us about the kingdom of heaven. That means only the king knows how the kingdom of heaven should flow, right? And so Matthew is showing us, introducing to us the king, Jesus, and the king, Jesus, is now teaching. So never forget that. This is all teaching. So, you know, when it comes to teaching, that means we are the student. He is a teacher. We need to hear his word and obey it. And we're not here to debate it. We're here to obey it. So catch what the teacher is saying. So as citizens of the kingdom, there's certain attributes, certain characteristics, attitudes that we need to have and we need to be uh, living by. And as citizens of the kingdom, we learn that we are truly blessed. You know, that state of being just in the kingdom of heaven. Thank God for that. And so let's pick up here in, in Matthew chapter 5, and I'll just start with verse 17. Matthew 5 and 17. It says, Think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So again, we see that this in, in, in previous teachings, we understand that we have taken a turn here with this teaching. Now he is focused on the law and what the law really represents in the kingdom of heaven. And we learned these things from previous teachings that the law is the standard of God for righteousness. The law is the standard of God for righteousness. And, but the order of the kingdom is not by the law, but by righteousness. And so we have to keep that in our mind as we, as we look at the law and understand what Jesus is teaching them about the law as it pertains to righteousness. So what's God's intent for the law? Let's go ahead and, and map out some of these things. God's intention for the law. Look at this in Galatians chapter 3. Again, we are in Bible study, so I hope you have your Bible because we're going to go through some scriptures on this evening. God's intent for the law. Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse number 19. It says, Wherefore, then serveth the law. It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a meteor is not a meteor of one, but God is one. 
Is it all then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had not there had been, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Again, he's, he's making this point here about the God's intentions of the law. But the Scripture have concluded what all are under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So the law came to show us that we were sinners. We were all under sin. But before faith, verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up until faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster, our teacher, to do what? To bring us to unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Right? But after faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. So we see here that again, the law was given to us to show us that we have sinned. The law shows us, and once we hear the law, it, sin is revived in us. We know that we are guilty of sin. But the law brings us to a place to show us that we need Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And that's what I love about this. The law wasn't given to us to justify us. The law was to show us that we were already guilty. But it's to bring us to a place that we need a Savior, that we are guilty. It's going to bring us to Christ, our Lord, and having faith in Christ. And so again, Jesus in Matthew 5 is showing us teaching these things, right? Because at this time, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were using the law as their form of what they call righteousness. But you can't be righteous by the law. Right? You can't. It's only through a heart that believes in Jesus Christ that makes you righteous. And so we see here, let's, let's, turn, to, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Again, I want to bring another point about the law and why God's intent for the law. Hebrews chapter 10. The book of Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse... <clears throat> Hebrews 10 and... Starting at verse 1, and then we'll jump, jump down to another verse here. But starting at verse 1 in Hebrews 10, it says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers unto perfect. So again, it's just proving this point. The law was a shadow of the good things to come. The law was never intended to make you perfect, make, make you righteous. It was to show you that you were guilty of sin. Now, jump down to verse 15. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that, he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities, iniquities I will remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So, again, he is telling us boldly here that God's intention with the law was to put our law in our heart. You know, and that's the thing that the, the scribes and the Pharisees were, were caught up in was they didn't want the law in your heart. There was, there was actions that they were doing. It was proving that, hey, I can do these things by legalism of the law, and that makes me right by God. But no, but their heart was wrong. And that's why Jesus was teaching us in the kingdom as citizens, the law's got to be in your heart. In your minds. That's where the law needs to be at. And that comes by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will bring forth the truth of the law in your heart that will help you to participate and demonstrate to be the righteous citizens of the kingdom of God. Now let's turn back to Matthew chapter 5. Let's follow this out. Matthew chapter 5. Again, starting in verse number 17. Again, Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of heaven. Think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets I am not come to destroy but to fulfill so Jesus is talking about the fulfilling of the law and how do we feel the fulfilling of the law has got to be from our hearts and the word fulfill means that to show the full intent and where it leads to right to show the full intent so Jesus is showing us what is the full intent of the law. What, what was the law given for? What was it, the full intentions of it to be fulfilled in our lives? Being citizens of the kingdom. And where it points us to, where it leads us to, is Christ. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. For everyone that believes. Again, Christ, he is the end of the law for righteousness. 
So without Christ, you're not righteous before God. Never forget that. So the law, again, is, is there to, to show us that we are guilty. And here it was, the scribes and the Pharisees was using the law to prove that they were innocent. And looking down on others. That's why it's so important in verse 20, we get into this in the same Matthew chapter 5. He says, for I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right? Because their righteousness is no good. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. It's in him that I move and live and have my very being. So the king is teaching us about how to be in him. How to have a heart that's full of the law based on what God has given us by faith in Jesus Christ. So again, Jesus is teaching us about fulfilling of the law. And the fulfilling of the law that's going to be in our hearts for those that are in the kingdom of heaven. Now one thing I love about the Lord, the Lord, you know, God is, is in a place where he, he keeps everything consistent and simple. You know, he's not bringing forth confusion. So how is it the fulfillment of the law is going to happen? The fulfillment of the law is happening in two commandments. Look at this in Matthew chapter 22. Again, talking about the fulfillment of the law. Look at this in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. <clears throat> verses, starting verse 20, 36. Matthew 22, verse 36. Again, looking at how the fulfillment of the law is found in two commandments. Matthew 22, verse 36. says, Master... Which, uh, which is the great commandment in the law? So here it is. Somebody's asking the Lord, again, what is the, the great commandment in the law? Right? Again, these are the Pharisees and Sadducees trying to, you know, say something to the Lord and to not justify themselves. But they asked him, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto them, or said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all, guess the three letter word, all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments. So the law is fulfilled in those two commandments. And that's what Jesus is teaching. And again, why is this so important in the time of, of, of the scribes and the Pharisees, in the time that Matthew is opening up? Because the Pharisees and the scribes had given out so many laws, so many rules, so many regulations that, they, that the, the people had to hear by. So many things are part of the Jewish custom. And Jesus was telling them, no, this is the, the, all the laws fulfilled in these two commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. That's it. Simple. So that means by me loving the Lord thy God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, by me loving my neighbor as myself, I have fulfilled the law. And that's what Jesus is teaching for those that are in the kingdom of heaven. Now look at this in, in Romans chapter. Again, just trying to bear this out that these two commandments is fulfilling of the law. Look at this in Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Because then when we, we get back to Matthew chapter 5, you'll see why he gets into detail about what the law says and now what he says in the kingdom of heaven. You know, how the law is fulfilled. Romans chapter 13. Look at this in verse number 8. Romans 13 and 8. It says, Oh, no man anything, but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So again, the same thing, the same concept about love the Lord thy God with all that heart. Again, love thy neighbor as itself. Again, he's talking about love another hath fulfilled the law. Verse 9. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, cast this the law, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, 
it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. For love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling of the law. And so it's so clear. I mean, I love how God is so clear about how he fulfills the law. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill towards your neighbor. So all the commandments can be hang, hang on to these two commandments as far as fulfilling of the law. Right? So you say, well, I'm not sure if I'm fulfilling the law. I'm not ki-. Do you love the Lord thy God with all your heart? See, those in the kingdom of heaven think, well, you know, all you got to do is two things. You know, you don't have all these other... Like I, I like how you said, in all... In verse, verse 9 again, it says, and briefly, it is in... Let me read this again. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So again, anything else, commandments, right, rules, regulations, that you need to follow, it's all found in love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the commandments that we, in the kingdom of heaven, should be fulfilling of the law. Right? And I'm going to tell you, the only way you're going to do that is have faith in Jesus Christ. Because again, Christ, remember, is the end of the law for those that believe. Right? That's how we are in right standing with God. That's the only way we can do it. That's how come when we become born again, the Spirit of God dwells in us. The Spirit of Christ dwells in us. And by Him being this, that's why those that are, that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's the Spirit of God that gives us, bears witness with our spirits that we are the sons of the living God. And the Spirit of God will convict us about, about our own motives, our own hearts when we are wrong. You know, again, you get this. You know, when it comes to the law, when it comes to rules and regulations, you know, outwardly you can obey them. You know, outwardly you can have the, do the right things, but your heart is not right. And, and God's like, no, I remember we read that in Hebrews 10. God's, one that puts, God's intent was the law to be in your heart. See, what's in the inward, you know, we talk about the inward change should show forth from the outward. That should be the motivation of what I'm doing, my outward response. It's based on my inward change in my heart. Not the trappings of our outward appearance, things that we're doing on the outward that try to show that I'm right with God or, or that I'm in right standing with God or that I'm, that I'm good or that. No, no, let's look at your heart. And that's what I love about God. God said he looks at your heart. He sees your heart. So you may say one thing, but God's like, no, but your heart is telling me something totally different. That's what the, our king is teaching us about those that are in the kingdom of, in, in the kingdom of heaven. Right? It's, it's fulfilling of the law from our heart. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Right? No love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love your neighbor. So now, we, if we go back to Matthew chapter 5, we'll see something. Hopefully get an understanding of now we get into his Understanding, talking about the law. And, and again, we just saw this in Romans chapter 13. He, he covered these areas, some of these that, that Jesus covers here when he talks about fulfilling of the law. Right? You know, so then the question is asked, well, who is my neighbor? Because people like to ask that, right? You know, how do I love my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? You know, how do you love your neighbor? You're going to love your neighbor through love, right? You're going to love them by having a heart of compassion towards them. You know, love is by choice. So how do I love my neighbor? I have a heart of compassion towards them. Right? And what's a heart of compassion towards them? You know, I want the same thing for them that God wants. In other words, I'm seeking the same thing for my neighbor, the same purpose for my neighbor that God wants for them. Get that. Catch it. Not what I want for them, but what God wants for them. That's love. I'm going after what God wants for you. See, that's how I come when it comes to my neighbor, when it comes to those that, are, that you have dealings with. You know, don't take these things personal when they come back and say things to you, when you are ministering the gospel to them, when you're sharing the love of God, the love of Christ with them, and, and on the outside it looks like they're not hearing it. Understand, you, hey, you're doing the will of the Father. You're part of the, the citizens of the kingdom. Again, you're hungry and thirsting after righteousness. You're going to be fulfilled. You're going to be satisfied. You know, you are those that are the peacemakers. See, again, those things that are attributes of, of those that are in the kingdom of heaven. 
See, I'm not moved by your responses. I'm, I'm showing you love. Because love is fulfilling of the law. Whether you think it's love or not doesn't even matter. This is love. Right? That song said, that's love. This is love. They hung them high. Right? That's love. Christ. Jesus. He is love. Right? That's love. And that's how we should be showing love towards one another. Having compassion for them. Right? And then we talk about who is our neighbor, and he's going to make some powerful things about your neighbor in this, this passage in, in Matthew chapter 5. We'll get to it, not today, but we're going to get to what he talks about your neighbor. But we've already seen, already taught about our neighbor is our brother and our sister. Right? Remember, remember the teaching he talked about having all against your brother? Right? He talked about those things. Our brother and our sister is our neighbor. You know, get this, husband and wives. Your spouse is your neighbor. That's your neighbor. Right? You know, that's what I mean. Show compassion towards them. You know, find out what God wants for them and then line yourself up that, with that and make sure you're, you're putting that in their life. You know, make sure you're, you're showing forth that compassion for them versus what you want them to do. Now, here's a good one. You know, your children are your neighbor. Your family. They're your neighbor. Show love towards them. You know, talk to them about the same things that, that God would talk to them about. That compassion for them. I just want to see them get it right. Get it right? What? Based on what? Based on your plans? Based on your legacy? Or based on God's eternal plans? See, that's the focus. That's who your neighbor is. All right, Matthew chapter 5 and let me get back to this but again understand the law is never given to us to justify ourselves or to show that we are self-righteous again he said it that our righteousness God exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees I mean it's not about self-righteousness that's not what the law is for but the law of God has got to be in our heart right to show forth the kingdom principles so Matthew chapter 5 again we'll pick this up now we've already went through the other Ones. And I'll just read this for context. Matthew 5, starting in verse 21. Um, it says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever sh- shall kill shall be danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that wh- whosoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Again, he's showing us how the law is being fulfilled by the love we have towards our brother. Be careful. Now jump down to verse 27. You have heard it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already where? In his heart. See, again, it's a hard issue. God, you know, Jesus is showing us, the king is showing us how to fulfill the law by loving our neighbor as ourself. By having the law be in our heart so we won't sin against the Lord. Sin against God. Right? It's got to be in our heart. So you say, if you looked at a woman with lust after her and you commit adultery with her in your heart, even though you may not commit the action of it yet, but your heart is already wrong. Again, he's showing us the fulfillment of the law. He's teaching us these things and being in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 31. And it has been said, whosoever should put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. Again, that was, was part of the law, right? And then it says, but I say unto you, whosoever should put away his wife, saving for a cause of fornication, causing her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her, that is divorce, committeth adultery. Again, he's giving us the spirit of the law, as we say, right? Because it's the letter killeth, but the spirit bringeth forth life. But the scribes and Pharisees, they were using the law to do pretty much whatever they wanted to do. And to put themselves on a pedestal, they're up here, and you are down there, and you've got to obey this. That's not what the law was for. The law was not given to justify us for righteousness. It's a heart belief that brings us to righteousness. A heart belief in the Jesus Christ brings us to a place of righteousness. 
All right, so now we get into my section of teachings around this Sermon on the Mount. Again, following the Master and His teaching. So now we get to verse 33. It says, Again, ye have heard, ye have been said, By them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, footstool. neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of a great king. <clears throat> neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Now, I'll tell you, this is powerful things. And again, he's talking about what the law says, but then he gets into the fulfillment of the law. So these terms in our our mind, you think about oath taking. You know, he's talking about taking oaths. And he says, the law says that thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. So what they were doing was they were using the law that's found in Exodus 20, chapter 7. I mean, Exodus chapter 7, verse I'm sorry, Exodus 20, chapter 7. They were using the law there that says, Thou shalt take, thou shalt not take the Lord. Let me read this. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 20. Let me stop. Let me read this. Take my time. Exodus chapter 20. We'll get there. Exodus 20. This is amazing how they took this commandment and made it legal. Exodus 20, verse 7. It says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So what they were doing was taking the Lord's name in vain in oath-taking. They were using the name of the Lord, this frivolous uses of the name of the Lord. And they misused it by affirming something as they were doing as an oath, but without any context has to do anything with God. Had nothing to do with him. But they were using the name of the Lord God to affirm something that is true. That's why it uses the term forswear. And the word forswear means to swear falsely or perjure yourself. You know, how can I use the name of the Lord for something? And guess what? I don't have the authority, the power of the Lord. That's why he says in verse 34, you know, swear not at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. You can't. How can you say I swear by heaven? Heaven is God's throne. How can you swear by heaven that you're going to do something? So when it came to their business dealings, when it came to their, their laws and their, their, their regulations, they were using the name of the Lord in vain to bring forth, oh, this is affirming that I'm going to do this. Right? Using the name of the Lord in vain. Now, we don't do that today, right? <laughs> you know, of course not. You know, you know we don't do the, use the name of the Lord in vain now, right? You know, use it out of context. It has nothing clearly to do with what we're talking about. We don't do that. You know, just Paul, but let that sink in. You know, because he said, swear not at all. I swear by the name of the Lord, if you do that again, I'm going to kill. What? You know, especially when it comes to our children, right? I swear, boy, in the name of the Lord, it's the Lord's grace that keep me. Yes, God's grace is keeping you. That grace is keeping you for salvation. You, you brought in a whole other context when you, when you brought it into that statement. Yet we're just using the name of the Lord in vain. That's what he's talking about here. And they were using it again for making oaths. You know, business dealings. Right? Using the name of the Lord. And, and, and the thing that gets me is I, I, I love how, you know, for me, I like to look at, you know, why things are placed the way they are placed in the order. You know, in, in the scriptures. In other words, why do you talk about oaths after he, just start, after he just talked about divorce and, and adultery? You know, I mean, I, I think God has a sense of humor. In other words, you need to keep your oaths. 
You know, don't tell me we're going to use the name of the Lord in order to get out of our relationships when it comes to our, our marriage, the covenant we have with our, with our spouses. Why have we got to swear about that? You know, think about it. You know, part of the marriage vows that we say, I swear that, that I'm, a, you know, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I'm going to stay with you. You ain't got to swear that you're going to stay with them. That's part of the marriage covenant. Guess what you say? I do. You know, that's the only thing you say, you know, under words, the, the, the pastor, the minister, they're going to read all the, the vows for you. The only response you and that lady with you, you know, you guy, lady, you know, men and women going to say is, I do. It ain't no, I do in the name of Jesus. No, it's part of the covenant. You ain't got to swear. I want to let her know that I'm serious. Let him know I'm serious. No, I'm tell you something. By you, I'm reading the vows to you. By you standing there, you serious. You, you're about to enter into the marriage covenant. In other words, it's not your words that shows your affirmation of the truth. It's your heart. So he had to deal with this. People throwing out the name of the Lord like it's just, you know, nothing. No context at all. Just the name of the Lord this, the name of the Lord that. Forced swearing, it said. You know, you are swearing falsely. The name of the Lord ain't got nothing to do with that. So again, Jesus saying that, verse 34, he said, Swear not at all for oath-taking. Before the earth, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Don't use the, hey, this earth is, I'm going to swear by the earth. You don't own the earth. You don't own the, you know, you don't own the heavens. Stop saying that. See, change it. See, those in the kingdom of heaven understand that when they make a commitment, their commitment is to God. That's what he's talking about here. When you make a commitment, your commitment is to God. So there's no need to swear in the name of the Lord God for your oaths. I'm making a commitment. So that means I need to keep, you need to keep your vows. I mean, those in the kingdom of heaven, keep your vows. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Keep your oaths. Honor your contractual obligations. What does that mean? Pay your bills. Right? Those are for the kingdom of heaven. Those are citizens. Citizens of the kingdom, they, they pay their bills. You know, you know what a bill is? I, I think people don't understand what a bill is. A bill is something that you made, that you bought, that you purchased on credit or on time or, or you know, something, that you, something you, you obtained. And people, that's why I said people try to, again, use the name of the Lord in vain. Right? Oh, thank the Lord God for this house we got. In the name of the Lord, this house. And then, you know, years later, they foreclose in the house because you didn't pay the, the mortgage. What happened? And you said, well, if the Lord wanted me to keep it, he would let me keep it. What? If the Lord wanted me to keep the house that you bought, you know you over-obligated, but now it's the Lord's fault. You see our mentality? That's what he's talking about here. But see, again, if our heart is right, going back to the first commandment, I love the Lord God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul. If my heart is right towards God, when it comes to my obligations, I'm going to pay them. Or let me, let me say it differently. When it comes to my obligations, I'll be careful before I make them. <laughs> you know, in other words, I'll seek the Lord before I make those obligations. You know, every purchase is not a good purchase. You know, why you get on these? I mean, that's why, hey, this is amazing how these scriptures flow, right? Every purchase is not a good purchase. You know, some purchases that we make, it's just really based on what you want at that time. Sometimes it's based on an emotional decision. You know, and I'm going to tell you, we, again, our flesh, nothing to do with our, our heart, our flesh. And here's the thing that we justify in our, in our heart so quickly. And again, our heart and our flesh, we justify both of these things. I deserve it. I've worked hard for this. God, I, God, I deserve this. So in the name of the Lord, I'm going to purchase this. I'm going to put it on credit. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy that. 
And then God's like, go ahead. But don't put my name on it. Because when you don't continue to pay your obligations, don't blame him. That was your purchase. See, be careful about making those obligations. Again, contractual obligations. And you know what a contract means, right? When you actually have to sign your name, that denotes a contract. <laughs> when, they, when you sign your name, again, they say, that's not my hand. No, but you signed it. How have you signed it? Right? You still, that is, you signed it. Right? Even the digital signature is your signature. Pay it. Keep your vows. Keep your commitments. That's what he's talking about here. So you got to swear about it. Just do it. All right. So let's look at this and let's go look at this in Leviticus 19 again. I'm talking about this four swear again. Look at this in Leviticus 19 about keeping our commitments, keeping our vows. Leviticus chapter 19. I'll just let the word of God speak to you because you think I'm talking to you. Let his word minister to you. <clears throat> Leviticus 19. <clears throat> Look at this in verse. Eventually I'll get there. Leviticus 19. <clears throat> verse 12. Leviticus 19, verse 12. And ye shall not, and ye shall not, and ye shall not swear by the name, by my name falsely. He said this again. And ye shall not swear by my name falsely. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. I mean, how, how clear? God said, don't use my name falsely. He said, ye shall not swear by my name falsely. Neither shalt thou profane the name of the Lord. How do you profane the name of thy God? When you don't keep your obligations. He says, for I am the Lord. You know, one thing about God, God keeps his promises. What God has promised, he does. Right? He keeps it. That's what he said, I'm the Lord. Follow his example. Right? So don't swear by it. He says, swear not by my name falsely. Don't do that. You know, keep your vows. You know, for those that got married, again, maybe a long time, maybe in a short time you got married, guess what? Keep your vows. You made a vow before witnesses in God. Keep them. Don't look for a way out of your vows. Again, these are things that have been taught already in family life class, things we still hear. Keep your vows. That's what he's talking about here. Keep them. Look at this in Deuteronomy. Since we're still in the Old Testament, look at Deuteronomy chapter 23. Deuteronomy 23. Look at this in verse 21. Deuteronomy 23, verse 21. It says, When thou shalt vow a vow, I like this, when thou, that means you, when you vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack, thou shalt not slack to pay it. I mean, the scripture is just, don't be slack. Pay. Again, you, pay, you made a vow, you made those purchases, and then you, you don't want to pay it. Now, see, you know, I, I, my mind goes a lot of different places, right? You know, this <laughs> You know, that's why I, have a, I laugh at I'm laughing at myself because these are conversations I have with my sons. Right? You know, when it, when it comes to bills, you know, I tell my sons, pay your bills. And then I'm going to tell you, they come to me and say, well, well, Dad, we need help with this bill. Here's my, here's my comment to them about helping them with their bill. Why would I pay a bill that you won't pay? I'm like, do you have money? Yeah, we got money. Then pay it. Oh, Dad, we won't take your... Oh, oh, you're going to take my money to pay your bill. Why would I pay a bill that you won't pay? That you vowed for? That you spoke? That you signed your name for? I'm not paying a bill that you won't pay? 
That's your obligation. So you be careful before you make that bill. Pay them. Right? And don't be slack. What does that mean? When you got the money, when you get paid, pay your bills. I mean, I don't know. I, I, this stuff is just like so common. Because everybody, when they don't have money, oh, I'll pay it if I had the money. But then when you have the money, you, you, ain't, you ain't paying the bills. Right? You're going out to eat. I, anyway, let, me just, let, me just, let me just come back to the word of God here. You're doing other things with that, that money. And the girl's like, no, you made a vow. Pay it. Don't be slack to pay it. Pay it immediately. Right? Again, these, you're like, well, Jesus talking to the, yeah, these are folks that's in the kingdom. This is the obligation or responsibility, expectations for those that say they're in the kingdom of God. You know, the, you know everybody was, was so happy when they heard the first, you know, what was that, first 12 verses in, in Matthew chapter 5? I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Blessed folks pay their bills. <laughs> you know, everybody blessed there. Everybody loves those. Oh, like, but here come Brother Hasten now. I'm getting into the, in the other areas of application of the blessed state. Application of the blessed state is you pay your bills. Those in the kingdom, pay them. Come on, how blessed you are in any way. Let me, I, when thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, Thou shalt not slack to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it will be sin in thee. What? Did God just use the word? Did he use the word sin? Sin. Three letters, sin. So he's saying, it's sin for you if you don't pay your bills? I, I, I just You read it. How do you interpret the scriptures? But if thou shalt forbear to vow... It should be no sin in thee. That means don't make the vow. You ain't going to pay it. Verse 23. That which is gone out of thy lips. I love how God using all these personal pronouns. That which is gone out of thy lips, thou shalt keep and perform even a free will offering. Oh. Oh, no. Now, now, we, you know, now we're going there, right? Now we just, now we're back at church. So now you made an obligation for the ministry. But then you won't pay. Or we use a better scripture for you won't bring it. Right? Because we know we loan, but you you don't pay your time. You know, you bring, you know, you bring your offer. I understand you math, you bring it. Regardless, you need to have something in the envelope to bring. Right? That means your free will offering. It's your free will. So like pastor compensation, that's a free will offering. What's your obligation? Bring it. That's what he's talking about here. Because it's gone on your lips, right? Oh yeah, we're all in agreement. Yes, we need to do these things. We need it. Yes, yes, yes. Again, we're blessed. Yes, God is faithful. And then when it's time to bring that offering, all of a sudden, what happened to the faithfulness of God then? Bring it. Let me read this again. Verse 23. That which is gone out of thy lips, thou shalt keep and perform, even a free will offering, according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth. Now, you made a promise, Mary, note, right? You, you promised, right? You know, like children say, oh, you promised, Dad, you promised. They don't hold you to your word, yeah. Be careful what you vow to. Be careful what you obligate yourself to, because God's expectations for you is to bring it. I like how he said, thou shalt keep and perform it. You know, you're going to do it. And keep means to continue base. You know, it's not a one-time thing. You know, a free will offering is, is something you need to bring on a continuous basis. <laughs> you know, we think we bring one time, we bring, oh, I, I, God, I, I did it. I, I, brought that, I brought the offering today. God, okay, let's see if you're going to have it on the next time. What do you mean next time? Continue basis. Because remember, you blessed. 
the kingdom of the citizen. Alright? See, I'm saying this turned around. I mean, it's, it's easy to talk about them folks back in the old days, right? Old times. But now it's made, now it turned back to us. Keep your vows. Keep your obligations. Pay your bills. Pay your bills. All right, let's go back to Matthew. I understand. Let's go back to Matthew. Citizens. Matthew. I mean, I should go back to Matthew chapter 4 where it says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Here we go. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Ooh, you know, everybody loves that. But then we get to Matthew 5 and verse 33, and he's talking about paying your obligations that you made. All right, so again, Matthew 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard that had been said by them of old time. Thou shalt not forswear. Don't make these false accusations. But shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of a great king. Neither shalt thou swear by the, the, thy head, because thou canst make one hair white or black. But, verse 37, let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So those that have the character of Christ in you, there's no need to swear in the name of the Lord when you're taking an oath, when you make a commitment. There's no need to swear. Well, I swear I'm going to do what I say do. No, this is what you need to do. Verse 37, it says, when you speak of your commitment to do something, as a believer, you are expected to do it. When you speak of your commitment to do something, again, as a believer, as those are in the kingdom of heaven, you are expected, let me say this, by God, to do it. So all you need to say, a simple affirmation of yes or no. You know, I love how God, yes, that's what yay means. Yay means yes in any language. Yes. So a simple affirmation of yes or a simple affirmation of no when you're asked to commit will suffice. That's all we need to hear. Yes. Are you committed to this? Yes. Are you committed to this? No. Simple affirmation. Because the simple affirmation confirms that what you said is true. Get this. A simple affirmation of, of yes confirms that what you just said is true. When you start adding more to that, then it comes, the Bible says, evil. What does that mean, coming evil? You, you can figure this out. You start lying. So evil in this context is talking about lying. That's what I'm telling you. Sometimes you just run your mouth too much. Right? The commitment is just either yes or no. Because after that is lying. Because here, here's the thing. I, I, I'll use the, the commitment and the answer of no response and how it becomes lying when you add on to it. Right? You know, when you say, well, will you do this? No. And then you start talking. No, I would... But right now, I don't have it. Now you just lie. Because you make it seem like right now you don't have it, like you never had it. No, you spent it on something else. That's called lying. Say it differently. You had it, but you didn't. That, you had it, but you wasn't going to spend it on what, what was required of you to spend it on. 
You spent the money on what you wanted. In other words, to understand, you know, hey, God, God, you know, God always says, right? God says this in His Word. He won't ask you for anything that you don't have. So don't tell Him that you don't have it when God says you have it. That means you spent it on what you wanted to spend it on. So you had it. You spent it. So that's why it leads to lying. That's why, you know, just learn to zip it. Just say, nope. And don't add any more comments. No comments. Nope. Why are you not? Nope. I'm not even going to say anything. Or let your yes. Yes. Well, you commit yes. But some people say, yes, I'll do this. And then they'll start giving their, you know, their caveats or their disclaimers. Yes, but I only can do it on this day and on that day. You know, again, I like to use examples of the ministry, right? You know, there's, there's, you know, again, we're going to open back up and open back up, meaning that, you know, we have the in-person services again. You know, then, you know, there's rehearsals and there's things that go on for, you know, different auxiliaries in the ministry. And it's amazing how some people are like, well, yeah, you know, will you be part of this ministry? And they'll come and say, yeah, I can do it, but, but I'm only available on these days. What? You know, what, what kind of answer is that? that? Is that a commitment or not? If you're only available certain days, then what are you committing to? You're not committing to the days we need you. You're committing to the days that you're available. It seems like we, we lost something in that translation. See, all you got to do is say yes and be there. Right? Versus yes, but. Because again, it leads to lying. Right? You know that. Hey, you know, that's why, you know, you, you hear in courtrooms or whatever, and I was watching something with, was happening on the court, and, you know, and I heard that, you know, it was amazing. The Lord said, I just need a yes or no answer. <laughs> I need a yes or no answer. And of course, this had to deal with, you know, politics and, Senator was asking this question to this, this individual, and they were like, I need a yes or no, and of course they couldn't, they're not going to give you a yes or no answer. Because you're going to, here comes a lie. No matter what party you're on, right? That's what I'm saying. But those in the kingdom of heaven, all we need is a yes or no, because the yes or no speaks to the truth based on what you're saying. That's an affirmation. What you said is true. Understand this, lying is evil. Right? The Bible says the devil is a father of lies. He was a liar from the very beginning. And talking too much out of your mouth leads to lying. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 21. You see, get all that out of that passage of Scripture. Yeah, we got all that out of that passage of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 21. Again, those in the kingdom. See, blessed folks in the kingdom are not lying about their obligations. They know how to make a commitment by saying yes or no. All right, Proverbs 21, verse 23. Proverbs 21, verse 23. It says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. See, so notice that, right? You keep your mouth and keep your tongue. And you, you know, your mouth and your tongue, they go hand in hand. You open your mouth and your tongue speaks like, oh, you could have closed your mouth. Because it leads your soul to troubles. You start lying. Learn to keep it. Learn to have short, concise answers. Right? Look at this in James chapter three. I got a little bit more time. James chapter three. How much your conversation? How you respond? James chapter three. <clears throat> Look at this in verse. <laughs> Read some of this. Verse, starting in verse 5. James 3 and 5. It says, Even so, the tongue is a little member 
and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindled. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and set it on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and have been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith, in the tongue, we bless, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we man which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeding, proceeded blessings and cursings. My brethren, my brethren, these things are not to be so. Right? Your, your mouth, your tongue. One minute you're blessing, next minute you're cursing. Right? You've got to learn how to control your tongue. Those in the kingdom of heaven. How do I control my tongue for those in the kingdom of heaven? I just told you. Keep your affirmation and your conversation concise, short. You know, answer the question. Don't add on to the question. Because once you start, then it's adding on. Here comes the tongue. That unruly evil. That's full of deadly poison. It starts to lie. And it gets you into a world of trouble. So that means you need to speak truth. You know, that's what I love about the Lord. You know, the Lord got... There's not an idle word that comes out. You know, the Bible talks about every idle word is going to be judged. You better be careful about your idle. I was just joking. Be careful about your joking, your jesting. Those are idle words. You don't need to say some, some things and it's not, it's not funny. No need to say those things. Speak true. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. How our communication should be for those in the kingdom of heaven. I thought we were just talking about, you know, our business and our oaths. And we're talking about our communication. Because, you know, we can make oaths with one another. If you say you're going to be somewhere at a certain time, why well, even go here? Be there at that time. And here we go. You know, when we don't, <laughs> when we don't be somewhere at a certain time, you know, we, here we go. Here, and now we start telling them why. Just, just be careful. Because in that explanation of why, there's usually some line somewhere in there. Because you're trying to make yourself look, you know. It's best to say, I just didn't make it. I apologize, I didn't make it. But when you go beyond, I apologize, I didn't make it because blah, 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 blah. The blah, blahs are now there's some line in there. Ephesians 4, verse 29. It says, let no corrupt communication. Again, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may, be, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. What's corrupt communication? You're lying. That's corrupt. Those in the kingdom of heaven should stop lying. You ought to speak truth. Keep your answers simple, concise, and to the point. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Anything outside of that cometh evil or lying. Right? This is those that are in the kingdom of heaven. These are those that are in that blessed state. This is him talking about how we fulfill the law of God in our hearts. I'm going to stop there.
This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.